Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's Food for Thought, a podcast on a mission to equip you all with the latest evidence-based advice that you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, best-selling author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well, soon to be author of The Science of Nutrition out December the 30th, 2021, and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. In each episode, we are going to be joined by guests, all of whom are experts in their field, so that together we can all learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with our trusted expert advice. Once a taboo subject, sexual health is something that we're learning to talk about more openly. But despite this increased awareness around sexual health, it can still be neglected for all sorts of reasons. And rather than worrying unnecessarily or following unfounded advice, let's open up the conversation even further to support our sexual health as well as our partners. This is a conversation we've wanted to have for a long time on Food for Thought. And this episode sees Dr. Deren O'Leary and I discuss what sexual health encompasses, the myths surrounding it, and how we can look after ours. Hello, Deren. Good morning, Rhiannon. <laughs> morning. I do think today's topic is one that we've been waiting for for a very long time. And I have to say, in today's current climate, I think people are having less sex than before. And I think it's important that we open up these conversations and they don't become hush and taboo. So you're the expert here, you're the doctor, and I was wondering why you think this may be. Well, it's there's probably, you know, a multitude of reasons, but I think the main reason, Rhiannon, that we're probably having less sex than ever before is because we're busier than ever before and Mm. distracted more than ever before. You know, our lives are so busy, so hectic um, and we're connected. We're online a lot of the time. So I think it's those distractions. I think it's busyness, a lot of stress as well associated with um, like, you know, day to day living in 2021. You know, we all have so many projects, so many connections, friends, we're busy, busy, busy. I think that's probably the main reason if I had to, if I had to say why uh, we're having less intercourse than ever before, I would say it's stress, busyness, distraction. 
I mean, I, I find it really interesting because I think it's one of those areas. I mean, it's definitely not my field, which is why, of course, I've invited mm. you on today. But we always focus on these pillars of health and we think about, um, you know, movement yeah. and we think about diet and we think about sleep. But sex mm. just seems to get drawn out of the equation. I wonder what your views or values of sex are in terms of being a doctor. Yeah, you're right. It does. It gets left out of the conversation a lot. And it is a really important part of our well-being, you know, uh, when we're in relationships and our sexual health and sexual well-being. And it contributes to our a part of, you know, our healthy life. Um, something that I do think about, though, as well, is that, say, for, you know, um, uh, walking, movement, sleep, diet, those are things that are available to everyone all of the time. So I think that sometimes maybe like, you know, having mm. a sexual relationship might not always be available to somebody all the time. So I think maybe that's why it gets left out a little bit because, you know, maybe if you're not in a relationship um, or, um, you know, if you're you know, if you're as I, yeah, if you're not in a relationship, you know, it might not be something that you're able to incorporate into your, you know, healthy living or your healthy routine. So I think maybe that's why it gets left off a little bit. And then of course as well, it is more of a taboo subject. So I think that's why it gets, you know, um left out of the conversation a bit. But you're absolutely right. It is, you know, up there with sleep, movement exercise eating well and it does contribute to a part of your your overall well-being absolutely so interesting and yeah it's something that even you know it's not something we're that's mentioned even at university really or anything um with mm. a lot of health professions i find it but of course like you said you've got to pick pillars that are available to everybody at one point and our lifestyle today isn't conducive so there's also the elements of safe sex and i guess something that we should start with is what about stis um stds let's go into the difference between those mm. and of course what to do because uh, it seems to be very prevalent um in the uk i don't know about the stats for the rest of the world so, well, the difference between STI, so STI is sexually transmitted infection and STD is sexually transmitted disease. And the difference, it's very subtle and they are used interchangeably and that that's okay. But I suppose to be very particular about it, STI is the infection and STD is the disease caused by the infection. You can take think of it in a similar way to um, coronavirus. Actually, coronavirus is the infection and COVID disease is the disease caused by the virus. So they're interchangeable, really. But there is a, a, a thinking that the term STD or disease is a bit stigmatizing. So STI is more commonly used, you know. Um, so, um, you know, most common STIs are, you know, chlamydia, gonorrhea, um, uh, warts as well, very common, and herpes. Those are the most uh, common uh, STIs. And HPV, actually, a uh, human papillomavirus, uh, is probably the most prevalent, actually. Mm. Um, and I know in um, in Ireland, our, it's about 90% of the population will actually have HPV at some point so that is the most common one i think we should talk a lot about hpv um because i do i do think there is a bit of there's quite a bit of coverage about it but i think it's very confusing for people like some people just think oh cold sores or um do you know there's lots of yeah. associations with it what what would be your overall explanation of, of what it is i guess and what to look out for yeah, so HPV, it's human papilloma virus. There's loads of strains of HPV. So there's actually over 100 strains of HPV. Wow. Yeah, there's lots of them. So, you know, there's actually HPV 2 and 10. So those are warts that you might get, you know, on your 
finger or your toe, you know, they're not STIs, but they're they're a type of papillomavirus. Then you have um, HPV 6 and 11, those cause genital warts. And then there is HPV, you know, 16 and 18, for example, those are the ones that can actually cause cancer. So they're oncogenic strains of HPV and can actually cause cancer in uh, women it can cause cervical cancer vulval cancer vaginal cancer in men can cause penile cancer and hpv uh, 16 and 18 those are spread by skin to skin contact so any sexual contact with another person um, there's a risk of uh, transmitting hpv so it's skin to skin contact and that's why it's so prevalent because we can't protect against hpv with condoms uh, so that is the importance then of hpv screening and um you know i'm i think so that's what we do here in ireland we do the hpv screening mm-hmm. um along with, uh, that's part of our cervical uh, screening program, um, and the HPV vaccine. So the HPV vaccine is a really important part of sexual health and a really uh, positive intervention that you can make to protect yourself against uh, HPV. And HPV, uh, the for the HPV vaccine, it's called Jardisil 9, and that protects against nine strange of, strains of HPV the strains that are the most serious strains, really. Yes, Do you know, it's so, so interesting that we have all this information, yet even I don't feel I knew there was a mm. vaccination. I don't know if we do that in the UK, or you maybe do. I have been. You're, yeah, you're very good at it in the UK, because here in Ireland, we offer it for free to boys and girls in, uh, when they're in first year in school. So they're, you know, 12 or 13 but in the NHS it's actually offered for free up until age 25. Mm. Uh, yeah so it's um it is available and it actually does protect against genital warts as well so it does have that 16 and 11 in there so it's a really positive thing you can do uh, to protect yourself against um, genital warts and reduce your risk of HPV related cancers. Um, You can um, get it through your GP as well, but unfortunately it costs a lot of money. I know here in Ireland it costs about 600 euros. So yeah, it's not cheap, Um, but it is available for free to uh, secondary school, um, first year students here in Ireland. And I'm almost certain up until age 25, it's for free in the NHS. Gosh, well, anybody listening, um, yeah, go get it if you're in that yeah, age bracket. I absolutely. mean, I yeah. don't know if I've had it or not. It's so interesting to check my records, but that's mm. really, really interesting. Um, and you mentioned, of course, the screening. So the screening would come back and obviously tell each individual person if they've got 16 or which type they've got immediately. And then if you can't prevent that, because mm-hmm. everybody's told condoms are the most protective yes. why aren't they to protect against STIs but are there any other methods people should be should be implementing uh, well when it comes to HPV you know it is just one of those things that you know most people if if you get HPV it actually is cleared by your immune system 
by itself within one year. So most of us will clear it. Um, so then, you know, just when it comes to other um, aspects of reducing your risk of contracting um, STIs, so you know, condoms are important, um, you know, open conversation, honest conversation with partners, you know, about where you're at, um, regular STI checks as well. You know, any new partner always go and get an STI check, um, you know, with your GP or local sexual health clinic. Um, so keeping on top of your STI uh, screening. Um, and then as well, we do have as well, um, if you think you might have been exposed to HIV, for example, uh, there is actually a course of medication called post-exposure prophylaxis or PEP. Um, so that is available as well to reduce risk. And if you think you might possibly be exposed to HIV, there is medication uh, called pre-exposure prophylaxis. Um, those aren't routinely and readily available in general practice here in Ireland, but they are available and you can discuss with your uh, GP or sexual health clinic about how you might avail of those uh, pre-exposure and post-exposure prophylaxis for HIV. Gosh, yes, uh, incredibly important to mm. just, I think, cover every angle and just know what your what your situation is and what you're dealing with, because there are so many mm. myths in this area surrounding, you know, how these are contracted and um, how they can be transmitted and their symptoms. Mm. What are some of the biggest myths that you come across, Darren, um, surrounding sexual health? Uh, you know, I think, you know, these things of... Pick, I guess picking it up, for, picking things up from public toilets and things like that. That's probably the mm. the biggest myth, really. You know, it really that isn't a way that people pick up, you know, uh, STIs, um, and you know, myths. It, there's there's so many myths around it, but there's also so much stigma and kind of embarrassment about it. Yeah. When really, I mean, you know, like you mentioned at the beginning sexual intercourse is just a normal part of adult life really and you know just maintaining your you know your sexual health getting your sti screening um, attending your gp if you have any symptoms um you know it's just important you know you wouldn't feel embarrassed if you picked up you know the flu you know from your partner so mm. you shouldn't be embarrassed if you pick up anything else you know because when when caught early and treated early these are very treatable and totally, uh, we can sort them out, uh, usually with a course of antibiotics and before they cause any harm. You don't want to leave an STI fester and get worse, no. you know, and, 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 you know, particularly in women, um, chlamydia and gonorrhea sometimes are silent. There's no symptoms and that can actually have big fertility implications, you know, for for women in particular. So if left untreated and not detected, chlamydia and gonorrhea can cause pelvic inflammatory disease. And that's when the infection, you know, goes higher up into the pelvis and into the fallopian tubes and Ooh. can actually cause fertility difficulty, can cause um, chronic pain mm. and um, can also increase risk of ectopic pregnancy or pregnancy outside the womb. So you know, um, I know it's always, it, it might not be the most, you know, pleasant thing and you might be putting in the long finger, but, you know, if you have a new partner and we have any suspicion that you might have an STI, you know, um, just get it checked and get it sorted because they are easily treatable with course of antibiotics, chlamydia and gonorrhea. 
Yeah, thank you for going into those again. I think a lot of people may be just thinking back to the sex education, that TV show where there was an outbreak of chlamydia in yeah. the school. I think it was chlamydia in the school. I can't remember. I was yeah. kind of on the laptop while I was watching this, <laughs> but there, there were so many myths um, surrounding it um, in the program that were highlighted. It's actually quite a good program yeah. for this sort of thing. But like you said, if you catch things early, I do think it's the embarrassment that's probably one of the yeah. biggest reasons people perhaps don't go in. But you must see people every single day for their sexual health, I'm sure. Absolutely, all the time. And I love to see it because I love to see people coming in and say, yeah, I've had a new partner. And a lot of the time they're saying, yeah, I'm fine. I've no symptoms, but I just want to get a check, you know. Yeah. And I love to see that because it's people being proactive about it and, uh, you know, not um, letting things go undetected and causing problems. And, you know, if you don't have any symptoms of an STI, but you just want to check, it's so easy, quick and straightforward. So it's, we don't need to do any invasive investigations. We just need a urine sample. Uh, we can get a urine sample to test for chlamydia and gonorrhea. And then we do blood sample as well. And that tests for HIV, syphilis and hepatitis. Uh, so if you don't have any symptoms, but you're just getting a check, all we need is urine sample, blood sample, and we're good to go. Nothing invasive. Yes. Yes, perfect advice, exactly. Um, it doesn't have to be scary at all, I no. don't think. And I think because a lot of people get worried about getting tested, that's, you know, whenever it comes up, I know even for myself, I'm like, oh, it's time for a smear test or something. There's always that little niggling thing mm. in, in the back of your head, isn't that? Oh, what if? But a lot of the time it is just um, routine, isn't it? And it's important to do it. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Absolutely. And, you know, I totally understand, you know, 
that there are things you'd rather do that you know than go for your <laughs> smear test or go for you know even go to any doctor's appointment it's like the dentist stood there and- exactly exactly <laughs> and you know look I mean there are you know when it's coming up for my smear test as well I'm like oh I just want to get this over with but you know it's so important to you know not bury your head in the sand go get it done and you'll feel great after it's done get it sorted and uh, you know they're just these things that we, we we've got to do just to protect our health you know um and it's the thought of it is always worse than it actually is you know yeah yeah exactly it's so true i think we build something up psychologically and we had an episode on the podcast before um about how we perceive happiness which is really interesting and he said Mm. a lot of the time we put barriers in our minds about everything because we just overthink Mm. scenarios that don't even happen which prevents us a lot of the time from walking through life in a Mm -hmm. more happier state or relaxed state but i guess you know sexual health as you've mentioned also you know does include pregnancies so Mm. um i know that when i just had my son one of the first things that um, I think one of the midwives just came over and said, just remember, remember contraception, contraception. Yes, because yes, yes, you yes. Are... Can you talk to me about, about that and why there's such a big um, emphasis on explaining that to women throughout pregnancy and post-birth? Well, it, you know, after um, pregnancy and at, at those two-week and six-week checks with the baby, we do always talk through contraception at that point. And a lot of the time we're met with, you know, I'm okay. I don't need any contraception. Um, But, you know, it is it's just important uh, that um, women know their options, um, know which contraceptive methods are available to them. You know, it depends if you're, you know, breastfeeding or, um, you know, what methods you may have used before. Um, And just just let people know their options. Really, one of the most common options we use just in that um, postpartum period is the progesterone only pill um, that's a good one um, safe in breastfeeding and safe in the postpartum period as well um, and then you know depending on what stage of life the family might be at you know if you're completed uh, family might want to consider and something that gets left um, mm. off the table a lot you know vasectomy for men great option you know if women have you know have years of contraception and uh, have delivered the babies um, vasectomy is is a good option for families who have completed their family and vasectomy is actually non-invasive it can be done by gps not every gp but um, some gps can do it. it's an office-based procedure so wow. that's a good one um then other options there is the um, injection that's uh given every three months uh depo provera um, and that's progesterone only again that's another option available there's the combined oral contraceptive pill that's the most commonly used mm-hmm. one uh with the estrogen and progesterone there's a lot um, of myths surrounding that during the contraceptive yes. pill there's yeah. a lot, um, yeah. you know, that it can ruin your periods forever, reduce your likelihood of getting pregnant, just mm-hmm. a few I can think of. Mm-hmm. Um, and you say it's the most common one. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think men should have more options here? Because a lot of these options do seem to be for women, apart from obviously the vasectomy. Yeah, it, it's 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 unfortunately, you know, all, the, all of the responsibility almost, you know, in terms of like... Um, 
going to the GP, getting the appointment, mm. uh, choosing the contraceptive method, paying for it, taking it. All of that does lie with women. Unfortunately, I wish there was more options for men. And that's why I brought up vasectomy very early in this conversation. Just, you know, obviously it's an irreversible contraceptive method. Um, and, you know, condoms also can be used by men, of course. Um, but I wish there were more options. Hopefully that's something that uh, the scientists in the lab are working on and we'll get something yeah. soon. Some sort of male male pill option would be great. Oh, a hundred percent, because it just does seem very um, one sided when, mm, when we mm -hmm. talk about these sorts of things. But times are changing. And I think this just reflects the current times that we're in as well, that there's there's a lot of changes with equal equal rights and, um, you know, mm. the, the role that men and women both play together and uh, a lot of change. So hopefully this will be one of the areas that also yes. goes through that change, which would be yeah amazing but also can you mentioned earlier about impacting pregnancies ectopic pregnancies mm -hmm. is there anything in particular that women should be if they're trying to conceive is there should they be extremely cautious then in particular of their sexual health as well as taking their folic acid of course uh, well, you know, if you're trying to conceive, absolutely taking folic acid is so important. Um, it's always nice just to, you know, do an STI check um, at the start. So if I have uh, a woman comes in to me and says, Darren, I'm thinking about maybe, you know, uh, starting to try to have a baby over the next few months, I'll offer an STI screening test. It's really good mm. to do. Also, just make sure that we have an up-to-date uh, smear test or cervical screening test. And just get all of those things and just do a little health check, making sure that we're going into the pregnancy, um, you know, healthy and, um, uh, you know, ready to go and have ruled out any infection. So absolutely, it's a, it's a really good test to do if you're thinking about starting a family um, over the next few months. It's a nice one to do just to make sure everything is okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Better safe than sorry is what they always mm -hmm, say. So mm -hmm. let's start talking about observant signs of what we can see in particular, because there's a lot of apps now that can track your cycle and they, they include in that monitoring things like discharge and fluids and mm -hmm. keeping an eye on what things should look like. So what exactly should we be looking out for in particular to make sure that you know we're aware if there's a bacterial infection yeah so you know any vaginal discharge that has a foul smelling odor is not normal and needs to be seen by your gp any you know uh, a greeny or yellowy discharge any blood stained discharge always needs to be seen by your gp um any um uh, pelvic pain needs to be assessed as well. Um, any pain during intercourse uh, should be discussed with your GP. Also, any skin changes, you know, in the vulval area, any warts or sores or any skin changes there. Um, so any of those changes, um, any foul smelling uh, discharge, it needs to be assessed. And that's probably the number one thing, really, because I get a lot, asked a lot, you know what is normal discharge what is abnormal and obviously there is there is an acceptable you know physiological discharge that we need you know for our vaginal health um so some discharge is normal the main way to differentiate between abnormal and normal really is that foul smelling discharge yeah yeah a hundred percent and 
I mean, I'm talking like I know, but this is your area of expertise. Would you advise people in the current climate to take pictures of these sorts of things? Can people also tell not just from the smell, but perhaps the colour, because not everybody's going into their GP still? Uh, well, yeah, you know, I suppose taking a picture of the discharge can be helpful, actually, because that 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 is a good way of actually for us to see what it is like. And um, a patient actually, she came in and she did that last week and it was very helpful for me uh, to figure out what was going on there. Um, so, yeah, if you're attending your GP and want to send in a picture of the discharge, it is actually uh, quite useful, can mm. can help. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought that might be the case. It's so mm. interesting. And, and there's a lot of talk around hormones as well. So I think you probably get calls all the time about um, hormonal changes, perhaps. Let's go back onto the pill subject, actually, because mm -hmm. of taking the pill, because that's mm -hmm. so common, isn't it? Another mm -hmm. thing people to be aware of. Perhaps that pill isn't right for them. How do you how on earth do you go about monitoring or starting that journey on getting the right pill? You know, it's all about how you feel with it. So if you, it's, uh, you know, and, and we are so different in how we respond to hormonal changes. Some women are so sensitive to changes and some women aren't. And you'll have some women who have been taking the combined oral contraceptive pill for years and feel absolutely fine. They feel themselves no effect on their mood, no effect on their libido, absolutely feel perfectly well and normal. Then you will have women who come, you know, they might come back to me and say, no, my mood is not right on this. No, I'm not myself on this. Um, I'm not happy with this. Um, and, you know, maybe they have low libido on it as well. So, you know, what is working for one person might um, be totally different for another person. It's all about how you feel. And if you don't feel well on your pill and you don't like it, do link back in with your GP. You might need to go for um, a different, um, yeah, maybe a lower dose pill possibly, or um, switch to something as well. Like there is actually a contraceptive patch and that has the exact same hormones as the combined oral contraceptive pill. And it has estrogen and progesterone and it's put on once a week. So it's a slower, steadier release of hormones as opposed to the daily pill, which is, you know, peaks and troughs of hormones daily, the patch is once a week. So that can be a nice alternative for people who are feeling that they're not themselves on the pill or possibly getting um, side effects on the pill. And then there is the vaginal ring. Again, that has mm. the same hormones. And this one is actually anybody who tries it actually quite uh, likes it so it's a ring a flexible plastic ring uh, put into the vagina and it actually stays there for three weeks so it's set it and forget it um and oh, you so don't it's have different to think from it. the coil because i think that's what yes a bit confused yes with. yeah yeah so and you actually just pop it into the vagina yourself um and then you go in uh, it stays there it's not felt during intercourse and it again it has the same hormones estrogen and progesterone and then again, because it's there for three weeks, as opposed to a change daily with the, you know, the pill, taking the pill daily, um, less peaks and troughs of the hormones. Uh, so can be a good option as well for people who are feeling that they're very sensitive to hormonal changes. And what about, so we, we just mentioned the coil briefly, but what about non-hormonal options for women that think I really don't want to go through all that with my doctor, the changing of pills? Um, what options are there? 
Yeah, some women just are more sensitive to hormonal contraception and they really just want non-hormonal options. So there is the copper coil available as well that has no hormones in it. Um, that can cause heavier periods or more painful periods. That would be one of the side effects that we would discuss with patients. But you know, in my experience, people get on very well with it. So there is the copper coil. There is also the diaphragm. It's not as commonly used in Europe as I think it's used more commonly in the US, but that is an option available. So the it is available um, uh, to patients in the UK and Ireland as well if they want to avail of that. And then the the um, the irreversible option for women is the, is surgery tubal ligation. Um, so again, if you're finished the family, that's the non-hormonal option. But I would always say vasectomy as the um, irreversible option for men is is safer, quicker, easier to do than the than the tubal ligation for women. Uh, but the copper coil and the diaphragm are um, are good non hormonal options uh, for uh, women if they are very hormone sensitive. Yeah, no, thank you so much. It's really informative. And I think it's so important that we know the options that are out there. So what yeah. can we do about increasing the education then? Because I think I remember sex ed classes at a younger age, the girls go in one room, mm-hmm. the boys go in the other. Yeah. And you don't even really learn about your own no. body parts. It, yeah. uh, <laughs> No, our, our, ours was terrible. We had, we, there was like a video rolled in. Yes, we all watched yes. it, like 100 of, of us all together watched this video of like yes. a woman, basically. Like, it was like the scene from Mean Girls, you know, like, just like, don't have intercourse. Like, yes. you know, just don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it I hope awful. things have, yeah, hopefully things have settled or, or, or have improved since then. Um. But, you know, these conversations like you and I are having, I think social media has is is helping as well. It's helping mm. inform this generation. You know, I've noticed a huge difference in how informed patients of all ages are when they come into me. You know, um, women are and younger girls, they are just so informed and it's so impressive and it's so good to see. So I think that is one of the positive in- impacts of social media actually is young people today they're so informed and it's so impressive and they come in and I have noticed a huge difference and you know they have a lot of information and I love to see that you know I'm actually I actually don't mind the Dr Google thing I think it's natural Mm. that people want to do that and then it helps me to see what the patient is thinking or what they want to know about it and then we can have a discussion about it um you know maybe you know even if everything isn't 100 percent correct then it's a good opportunity just to open up that discussion so i think that in terms of um, people being informed things are getting better and uh, social media i think actually i think overall is helping um mm. yeah. and you know yeah hopefully um and hopefully things will continue to improve. I think young people as well these days are actually so impressive in terms of able to speak up for themselves and talk about what they want and what they think is best for themselves. You know, One of the lovely positives to social media to hear, yeah. which is always delightful. I couldn't agree more. I do think that you know the openness now and the conversations, I don't think we had any access to no. anything like this apart from the magazine column at the back. Um, yes. <laughs> which was always yeah. a bit hit and miss. Um, yes. 
now I think back to it. Yeah. But what about diet? Because obviously this is my bread and butter. And mm -hmm. is there a link between diet and sexual health? And what about all these supplements that are marketed for, I don't know, probiotics for the vagina? Mm -hmm. what, what are your thoughts on these? You know, if there there are uh, probiotics uh, specifically marketed and designed for the prevention of, you know, recurrent uh, vaginal candidiasis um, or thrush or for bacterial vaginosis as well. And the I said, but the evidence is mixed on whether or not they work. Um, if you find them useful, though, it's reasonable to take it for uh, particularly for women who suffer from recurrent vaginal candidi candidiasis or thrush. If you're finding that a probiotic is working, it is reasonable for you to take it. Um, it. But as I said, the evidence is mixed. I don't think that taking a probiotic is harmful. It might possibly be beneficial to you. Uh, so it's reasonable to take it if you think it's helping. Yeah, I completely agree. There's no harm. And ultimately, it does make sense that I guess bacteria in a way our diet plays a role I think we need a lot more research looking into these mm -hmm. these particular areas mm -hmm. um and I guess the last question before I take questions from our listeners um would be mental health do you think it's having a bigger impact on our sexual health than we realize you've mentioned our working lives mm -hmm. but what about mm -hmm. our everyday feelings and thoughts totally I mean our mental health has a huge impact on our libido primarily you know and it has an impact on our um, relationships um, and sexual health absolutely and you know I often would talk to people about reduced libido and they but people don't actually appreciate how stressed and how busy they are when you really talk about it you know it is people who are so um busy, stressed, anxious. So stress management um, mm. is, you know, it's, it's so important for every aspect of our health, but absolutely has a huge impact on our on our sexual health and sexual well-being as well. Absolutely. Yeah, no, exactly. Thank you, Darren. So the questions from our listeners today that we picked out, so I put a question box up for this on, mm. on social media a while ago, and we do get a few people emailing in. So this let's pick one first of all oh I think this is really interesting from Bethany mm -hmm. she said my partner wants me to get a Hollywood wax but could I end up getting an infection well you could get a skin infection you know like a normal um, skin infection that we might get with any sort of intervention or procedure you're not going to get a sexually transmitted infection really in that instance uh, yeah. but you know anytime we have anything um, any intervention at all we might pick up some sort of skin infection mm. um, so I would say no you can't get a sexually transmitted infection from that but also um, you know, I would say only get a wax if you want to do it. Uh, yeah. You know, don't do one for your partner. No, um, it's a lot of pain to go through if you don't want to do that. <laughs> absolutely. And if you're not comfortable with it, then, you know, that's, that's, um, it's not reasonable for you to do that if you don't want to do it yourself. So um, I would say you can do that if you want to do that. It, you're not, there's no risk of getting a sexually transmitted infection by doing that. But you might, you know, with any procedure any intervention you might yes. get some skin irritation or some skin infection but not an STI 
wise words very good now the next question really gets me um we've picked this one out because charlotte's seen on a popular website that we all know probably mm. that i should be buying vagina cleansing products oh, wow. um will this actually improve hygiene no there's no there's no need for them and they're expensive and they're just adding in more you know pressure and hassle and expense to your daily routine you don't need them and somebody who has a lot of uh blog posts on this and is really passionate about this particular area actually is dr jennifer gunther yeah and she's yeah she's no bga in in the us she's absolutely amazing she has a lot of info on this and absolutely not we don't need them yeah she's also spoken they, out about methylfolate the folic acid supplementation. Yes, yes, we don't yes. have any data for it yet all these supplement yeah. companies are putting methylfolate yes. in their products not folic yeah. acid yeah and for the general population we just need folic acid yeah, yeah. she she's such uh she is I, I i love her passion and i love her um her, her matter of fact way of going through these things and busting these myths um yeah. so you know we absolutely don't need those you know um hygiene products at all Yes, yes, well answered. Um, and then we had one from Max. Uh, Max has said, all my friends have had sex, but I don't think I'm ready. Mm. I'm worried my girlfriend won't understand. What should I do? Really proud of you, Max, also for emailing that in because um, I think it takes a lot of courage. And it's also something to do with women coming forward and speaking and men not so much. So well done. Mm. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's really it's great to see in the first instance that this person actually recognizes that they're not ready and they're paying attention to that as opposed to just getting swept along and kind of going along with what everyone else is doing mm. um so that kind of independent thought is really nice to see and you know just open honest discussion always is the best policy and these discussions can be so helpful and just reassuring and like you mentioned earlier that we build situations up in our heads so much and make us so anxious when really they're when we confront them head on um, can actually be a huge source of relief for us so if you're not ready absolutely don't do it you know and um, mm. just you have to protect yourself do what's right for you you won't regret waiting and no. just open honest discussion and you know i i love to i love to see that and i think young people are good at that actually really yeah you know paying attention to what is right for them yeah yeah it's brilliant um and the last the last question and then i will move on to the fact of fiction round is from elsa and i think this is so important because we didn't cover it earlier how long should you abstain from sex after you get an sti Oh, that's a good question. So mm. you will, if so, if you're symptomatic, um, obviously you don't want to um, have any more sexual partners, and then just wait treatment, and then we can do a test of cure as well. Um, yes. So yeah, you do want to wait until you have that test of cure. Okay, so test to get the all clear, and then that's the safest way to go. Right, yeah. Darren, it's the fact or fiction round. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. Here we go. Okay. STIs will always give you symptoms. In, no, um, fiction, fiction. <laughs> Condoms are the most effective barrier method. Fact. Yeah. From 2009 to 2019, there was a 249% rise in gonorrhea in the UK. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not up to date with UK figures. I don't know if that's fact or fiction. I'm Fair sorry. enough. 
And that's a good answer to do. I'm pretty sure that one was a fact because I pulled that from the site. Okay. So that is fine. Yes. You know, it's I would I would very well believe that that was fact, yeah. Yeah. You can't get the same STI more than once. Fiction. You can only pick up infections from penetrative sex. Fiction. If you've missed a period, you're likely to be pregnant. Fact. You always get UTIs from having sex. Uh, that's fiction. Always the 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 term always there makes that fiction. Mm. But UTIs are very common in sexually active women. But yeah. you won't always get an STI from intercourse. But they are very common. Great stuff to know. Um, over the last five years, attendance at sexual health services has risen by over fifteen percent. I know attendance has increased. Oh no, wait, let me think. But the pandemic has changed that. Mm. I don't know if that's fact or fiction. Yeah, because no, I, I'd agree with you there actually with the pandemic. I'm sure that, I mean, but do you count the pandemic in these stats? There yeah. you go. This is why this, these fact or fiction rounds are, are quite difficult, guys. Um, two more questions. Females are more likely to get STIs than males. Fiction. Sexual health is not a privilege, it's a human right. Fact. That was it. That was our fact or fiction round. Lovely. Very, very well done. And I will just say to that does wrap up the episode and we do finish with the food for thought, but mine would be that you can tell that even when Deren does the fact or fiction round, she knows she can't comment on a stat in another country she doesn't know anything about. And that's a sign of a true health professional, guys. It's just important to remember that you know, go to the right person for the right advice. If you're worried about your sexual health, go to your doctor, not your friend's neighbor or someone else, for instance, that isn't qualified in, in this issue. Because I think the big take home that I got from Darren today is if you get these things early, you can prevent a lot of unnecessary stress and, and potential harm. And it's great we've got social media now in a way to talk about these things. And I've been wanting to do this episode for quite a long time, but I thought, oh, you know, sexual health is so far from nutrition. But actually, as we've discussed here, perhaps it isn't. And we'll have more on that in the future. But um, I will pass over to Darren to do a take home message today for you all. I totally echo what you've just said, Rhiannon, you know. The social media is great and it does provide, there is so many great people on social media providing factual information, empower, empowering information, but also, unfortunately, there is a lot of myths and people out there who, you know, it's the, um, they have a lot more confidence than they do competence and, you know, spreading false information and they could be very, very convincing. Um, so, you know, do follow, um, uh, you know, uh, doctors, um, uh, nurses, dietitians, mm. nutritionists, you know, and um, uh, if you do have an issue, a concern, a query, uh, do see your GP about it. Um, and you know, particularly, you, know, you don't have to go to a sexual health, sexual health center if you do have a sexual health concern. I understand that sometimes the anonymity of a sexual health center can be uh, preferable to patients. That's yeah. understandable as well. Um, you know, but just, you know, get it checked, get it sorted, get it uh, sorted out early, and uh, you know, you you will feel better uh, for having uh, for having addressed the concern or the problem. 
Yeah, thank you so much, Darren. Such a fountain of knowledge. It's always such a pleasure to speak with you. Where can our listeners go to uh, yeah, find out more about the work that you do? So you can follow me on Instagram and I do have a podcast as well. And that's just Dr. Duran's podcast if you want to search that. Uh, so yeah, Instagram mostly is where I am. And Darren is a beautiful Irish name. And just to let all our listeners know, it's spelled D-O-I-R-E-A-N-N. Because I know <laughs> that no when sense. people say... <laughs> Oh, thank you, know, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just because I know that people may be searching and not be able to find oh. it because it's so gorgeous and it's just, yeah, they have to find it. So, Darren, thank you so much for coming on Feed for Thought. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. If you are enjoying Food for Thought, you are going to absolutely love our up and coming episodes. So if you don't already, make sure you're subscribed. That way you will be the first to hear it every Monday. It would also be brilliant if you have the time to leave a review. These reviews are so crucial to make sure that we can reach more people and of course reach those higher highs in the charts. For more information about my nutrition clinic, the books, healthy recipes, and so much more, please visit retrition.com. You can follow me at Retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And of course, don't forget The Science of Nutrition. My latest book will be out December the 30th, 2021. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.